Get ready, it's time. Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck, is the most powerful voice in women's issues today. As the owner of Motherhood Incorporated, Sandra brings you inspiring, influential, and interesting resources to help you navigate everything from childcare to corporate formation. Each episode of Motherhood Talk Radio features guests who all have a story, experts in their field, and information you won't want to miss. We bring you everything from the latest crafting tips to how to be sexy in your 40s. From great parenting tips to moms facing some tough challenges, and most importantly, how to bounce back with style. Motherhood Talk Radio helps you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Being all you can be starts right here, right now. Let's do it. Here's your host, Sandra Beck. everybody this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Scott Silverman and for you guys following along at home if you're on your computer or your iPad or your phone you want to check out his website it is your y-o-u-r crisis c-r-i-s-i-s coach as in you know coach Ken coach whoever you want to coach coach.com and we're talking today about the opioid crisis and Scott has been in lots of different media you might have heard him on CBS or NPR or ABC. And I'm really glad that he's coming here today because with COVID, with everything going on, the opioid crisis is as big as it's ever been. And I'm just going to start off playing really dumb, Scott, for some of our listeners that don't, uh, aren't experienced with this stuff. Why would a parent care about the opioid crisis, especially if my kid's playing sports or he's got a 4.0, do I have to worry? That's a great question. Uh, and, and first and foremost, thanks so much, Andy, for having me here today and, and having this conversation, because the only way we're going to reduce the stigma around addiction is to talk about it. So thanks for the opportunity and the platform to do that. So to answer your question, you know, it's, it's fascinating. First of all, addiction does not have a specific zip code. Addiction is a disease and, you know, it is something that some people have and some people don't, you know, abuse, self-medication, abusiveness, if you will, with self-medication is a little bit different. But if you suffer from this disease, just like somebody who has a disease of diabetes, you don't get a choice and you don't get to flip the coin. There is no switch to turn it off and there's no vaccine for it. So why should a parent who has a 4.0 student who's, you know, an athlete at school, overachiever, well, and I'll tell you why, because I'm a guy in long-term recovery. When I was in high school and I went to junior college, I liked to party. And when I partied and I smoked marijuana and I drank and I did cocaine and I did hallucinogens, back in those days, the potency factor was single digit. Today, methamphetamine is 10 times more potent than it was 10 years ago, speed. Mm-hmm hallucinogens had, you know, eight or nine points of that ingredient that was cut by other modalities. Today, it's north of 80%. Mm-hmm. Fentanyl, which is one of the biggest and most scary drugs out there today, which is different than Oxycontin. A tiny little piece, imagine the pinpoint, not a pinhead, but a pinpoint, that much fentanyl put into a Xanax 
if you will, or even a vitamin C pill, because counterfeit medication, that's where a parent wants to worry. Because if a child is at a party, mm-hmm. there's actually a name for it. They call them Skittle parties, where people come to a party and they bring their concoction, either they made it or bought it or a friend gave it to them. They put it in a bowl and then somebody rings a bell, not literally, but figuratively at a certain time of the night or morning, and everybody goes to the bowl and grabs something. Well, if you happen to grab a Xanax that's counterfeit, or a sleeping pill, or an Adderall that something looks like an Adderall, and it's cut with fentanyl, you have about an 85% chance of overdosing and dying. That's the problem. So that's why parents, and I'm not saying parents should worry, but parents need to be informed. They need to be talking to their children. Because if you pick up a newspaper, listen to the radio, or even a podcast, or you're on any kind of social media, somebody that you know, that knows somebody that has overdosed and died behind opioids in the last three or four years. And the numbers are just off the charts. I live in San Diego, California. We're a pretty progressive town, 3.3 million people. We're a border town. So we've seen drugs coming across the border for a long time. We're in a state that just legalized marijuana a year ago. Right. Our opioid overdose deaths are up 400%, 400% just in our community. And I would tell you that in most met- major metropolitan areas across the country, they're looking at staggering numbers, maybe not as high, but very, very high. I just spoke to a radio show in Colorado. They're experiencing two deaths a day and mm-hmm. spoke to some of the Northwest in Washington. They're experiencing over two a day as well. So the momentum is picking up. And of course, with COVID, everything's gotten amplified. So hopefully that's a long answer to why I want to build awareness into parents, whoever's listening, because if you're a 17 year old and you're hearing this message and you've got a friend who potentially is abusing opioids and you know that they're taking counterfeit medication, they're not just rolling the dice. They're playing Russian roulette with a gun at their head because it's poison. It's not even a drug. It's a poisonous drug that kills people. Period. Well, and I just, while you were talking, you know, I looked up, you know, just fentanyl deaths, celebrities, And I have a laundry list here and, you know, it's an opioid drug that's 50 times stronger than heroin. That's the drug that killed Prince. And, you know, I look at the rise of fentanyl deaths and the actors and the celebrities that we can see. And usually what happens in the celebrity arena eventually trickles down into, you know, local parties and local things. And I'm like looking at this stuff going I don't know what it's going to take for us to um, to get it because there's so much money behind it. Well, there is. And, and when you say get it, it's interesting because, you know, most young people, you know, they think they're invincible. This is not going to happen to me. It won't happen here. And you're absolutely right about the celebrities. And if you look at, you know, the sports stars and look, Whitney Houston when she passed away, one of the glaring outcomes from her autopsy, and Dr. Drew, I remember, was on the news for three solid days everywhere at trying to explain to people what happened. And what he said, which was really unique to your point, that celebrities, power brokers, people that were partied, people who could or couldn't get a hold of a high, you know, expensive narcotics or champagne, or whatever, there, there wasn't the overdose rate because in the day, you know, drugs weren't that strong, number one. And number two, something that no one's actually studied yet, a lot of young people are on Adderall. 
Scott, I'm just going to jump in here for a second because now is a really good time to thank our sponsor. And our sponsor today is Stitch Fix. And you guys can try Stitch Fix today by going to stitchfix.com slash motherhood and you'll get 25% off when you keep everything in your kids fix. And we all know that it's really stressful to dress your kids for the summer. And if you guys look at the sunny seasons with Stitch Fix, they've got you covered for budget-friendly, bright and breezy styles that your kiddos will love. And Stitch Fix is the effortless way to get clothes that fit your kid and your price range. Items start at just $10. And with your feedback and input, the experts at Stitch Fix Learn about your kids' taste. They send styles that are perfect for them and affordable for you. And your kids can try on pieces at home before you buy. Just keep what you love, send back the rest, plus shipping returns and exchanges are always free. And you guys, I've done this. It's super easy. They include this mailer um, in your box. You open it up, try on everything. Anything you want to give back, um, you just put in this pouch seal it, put the sticker on top, and I always drop it at the post office, but you don't have to. You can just drop it anywhere that the post office all picks up, and it's really handy. And so if you have like picky toddlers or picky tweens, Stitch Fix has growth spurts taken care of with sizes 2T to 18. That's 2T to 18. The other thing that's great is there's no subscription required. Simply order a refresh as needed or set it and forget it with the regular season fixes. You're in control, and that means no more schlepping around the stores, dragging stuff home, having your kid turn their nose up at it. Then you have to go back, stand in line, and return it. This makes all of this a breeze. And you can even get on with your tween, like I did, and have them help choose the pieces that they like. So try Stitch Fix today at stitchfix.com motherhood, and you'll get 25% off when you keep everything in your kids fix. That's stitchfix.com motherhood for 25% off when you keep everything in your kids fix. Stitchfix.com motherhood. Now, we're talking today to Scott Silverman about the opioid crisis and why the opioid crisis is such a big deal is because the drugs today have a different potency. They have a different strength and they're combining with other drugs because our kids are on things like Adderall. And and Scott, I want you to share with me a little bit about Adderall. A lot of young people are on Adderall. They do it for concentration. They do it for school. They do it because they need it to, to focus. Well, if you mix Adderall, let's just say you're taking a sleeping pill periodically because you don't sleep well because of the Adderall. But when you mix that with a street drug, that's where the catastrophic event starts to take place. And that's why I think we're seeing so many overdoses right now, because to your point, you're taking something 50 times stronger than heroin, 100 times stronger than morphine, and just a tiny little bit. And people, by the way, are putting it in vaping pipes. They're putting it with marijuana. They're putting it with methamphetamine. They're putting it with cocaine. So it's a cocktail right now that a lot of people are experimenting with. And the only way to save someone's life if they're overdosing is to have a, a drug or medication called naloxone, which is Narcan in the dispenser. You just put it up their nose and just spray it. But, and, you know, and a lot of drug users are carrying it around now because they, want to, they don't want to die. We actually had a guy here in San Diego, homeless man, was interviewed by the local media a few months back. And he, he admitted, he goes, I'm a methamphetamine addict and I have been for over a decade. He said, but I am really worried. So he tests his methamphetamine for fentanyl before he takes it in his body. Wow. So when you think about that, that kind of mindset 
I, and I don't want to worry parents, but I want to your point. You, no, just but you need it. to be aware of these things. You know, I'm looking at like the type of drug used and the age at year of death, just of celebrities, because, you know, we can look at those things. And it's like, you know what? Almost everybody except a few outliers are under the age of 35. Like what a shock, you know, you need to have some money, you know, to, to buy these things. Um, but I think it's, it's really important what you were talking about. Like, you know, you don't want to worry people, but you also don't want to sugarcoat it and minimize it either. Because one of the things, like I have two teenage kids, I have one in college and one in high school and, you know, vaping and the availability of these things are insane. And when you look at, the potency of just a simple marijuana in a vape, you know, this isn't your mom's weed that she rolls up in a joint and gets high after the kids go to bed because she wants to go to sleep. Like this is a manufactured distilled product that is far, far, far away from the 80s Maui Wowie or, you know, some of these things that, you know, I make these jokes because I'm over 50 and, you know, we remember these things, but this is a whole different animal. Well, you know, you're absolutely right. I'm 67. So when I was smoking marijuana in the, you know, six, late 60s and 70s, the THC content, again, single digits. Today, it's north of 80, 90%. And so when you're when you're taking something in your body today that is that strong, it's kind of like, you know, a safe driving speed is probably 55, but there are people that drive 90. The risk factor of increasing your speed, and that's what it's like today if you're partying with something you're not familiar with. I remember there was a time, and you may be too young for it, Sandy, but, you know, the, the parents were telling their, their kids, be careful what drink you pick up at a bar because it might have a date, you know, right, a date rape drug in it. Roofies. Yep. And, you know, and that was and that was a big scandal for quite some time. And, you know, bartenders and bar owners were responsible, monitor what's going on. And today you don't know because you're getting something that looks like this, which you've seen before, but it's cut with something else that is a poison. And, you know, I, I work very closely with the DEA, the Department of Justice and Criminal Justice here in San Diego. And I've asked the question. And I've heard the answer when I say, why do you think a drug distributor which sells something that could conceal, you know, can basically kill their consumer. Right. And they said, you know, Scott, we've interviewed hundreds. And what they say is every time an overdose hits the news, their it's sales go up. So that's my, that's my competition as a treatment provider. And as a family navigator is I want to just educate families. I'm a subject matter expert for a local television station here. And whenever they call me, go, Scott, you need to be positive about this overdose morbidity rate. I go, I'll do my best, but it's hard to be positive when most of my information now comes from the medical examiner who gets it from autopsies. Right. And when you think about it, 250 right now in this country, plus overdoses behind opioids every day, every day, Sandy. And that is a plane crash. So why isn't it on every billboard, on bumper stickers, on keychains, on every social media, and isn't a warning label because most of it's underground, but 250 people die every day. And if the average person has three or four members of their family and then their extended family and then their friends, think about how many millions of people are impacted by this every single year. And the problem now is it's almost like we're well, not. Let me just put this into perspective. 250 a day, that's mm -hmm. 90,000 people a year. 
Correct. Do you remember when COVID started and we're like, oh my gosh, we're going to get to a hundred thousand, like a hundred thousand people die. Like, and we accept the fact that 90,000 will die a day because of opioid overdose. Right. And by the way, that doesn't count marijuana, alcohol, methamphetamine, or any other overdose that takes place. And the number is somewhere north of 540, I think, every single day. And then you've got suicide. And we're seeing a huge amount of teenage suicide taking place now because people are having difficulty from a behavioral health perspective, managing their feelings or what's going on with life. So that's why people, in my opinion, are self-medicating more than ever before. But I don't think the percentages is that different, but I think the potency is what's really unique about it. And that's the thing about the potency. You know, this is like a hamster wheel because you have, you have, you know, post COVID or post pandemic, you've got people who are really struggling with mental health. Then they choose to use some of these relax drugs or whatever you want to call them. And their potency is so high that it causes changes in the brain. It causes changes in depression and behavior. And then, so maybe you choose to use some more to help. And now you've got this wheel going on and what is the outcome? Suicide or death or rehab? Like really, I mean, is there any other outcome than those three outcomes? There's another one, institutionalization. That means if somebody goes too far and commits a crime, or is involved with a crime to try to get money for it. We call it in the program recovery, jails, institutions, or death, or sobriety. So those are the categories. And, you know, it's interesting when you frame it like that, what I heard was, and I think this is true, it may have taken, let's just say, in your day, you said you're in your, you know, early 50s. Let's say you were a party girl and, you know, you, you know, like anything, you have to do more to get the same feeling. So let's just say it took you three or four years to get to a peak where you needed a certain amount every day. Right now, because of the potency, it could happen in a matter of weeks, if not months, that someone actually could get addicted that quickly or start abusing it that quickly or get dependent on it that fast. That's another thing that's happening because of the level of, of high level of THC in marijuana, you know, the high potency in methamphetamine. And by the way, I don't ever want to see someone say, well, he doesn't think we should party and he got to party. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is just be informed and know what you're putting in your body. Because if somebody told you this poison could kill you, are you willing to risk it? Well, and that's the thing about like with the marketing, you know, you look at the marketing, just like take the marketing around THC and about, you know, these, the, the different, you know, whatever the, the vape, the, the wax, the, butter, like whatever those things are, oh, like this is just dabbing, marijuana. Yeah, dabbing stuff, right? You know, if I said to you, Scott, you know what, I'm going to give your 14 year old 180 proof ever clear and let him drink as much as he wants. You'd be like, you are out of your cotton pick in mind that could kill him. Right. But that's the potency. You know, we're not talking a glass of wine that has five or six, you know, percent. We're talking 180 proof or whatever the number is. But we're not aware of these things. We don't make those corollaries of going, you know, like a vape is like giving somebody 180 proof Everclear. And then you're wondering why there's a problem. Right. And, and that I type know of vape companies know this. Well, you know, and it's interesting because I was pretty excited when vaping came around because the idea was to replace the tobacco that yes. kids were smoking and cigarette smoking obviously has diminished. But what we're seeing is a new trend right now that kids are taking more hallucinogens and they're moving away from alcohol. But what's interesting today about marijuana, especially edibles, 
is because it has to go through your digestive tract first, people that are naive with it or in a hurry to get to that level of high, if you will, they take it and they go, you know, hey, Bob, this stuff's not working. And Bob says, hey, take some more. And then what happens is now you're at a point where you are you are overdosing on the level of THC that your body can manage at that moment. So these are the kind of things that are going on today because they're so potent. And you give, give a great example. And the one I like is who would drive 90 miles an hour without their headlights on in the pouring rain and hope to not get an accident? Why would one ever do that? Right. You wouldn't. You wouldn't. But, you know, when some of these things, like even the marijuana, it's, it's marketed as safe or the vape, you know, it's marketed as healthy. You know, yeah. these things are, you know, it reminds me of the old days of like, you know, when you read old ads and they're like, hey, cocaine is good for you. You know, that but tobacco, of- the tobacco industry probably, you know, smoke this cigarette and you'll be glamorous and prestigious and people will like you. And, you know, when you think about it, every state so far that I've seen and I've read about you know, Colorado being the first one, you know, I think Oregon was next and then California right there and a couple others at the same time, each and every one of them. Now they're not necessarily sorry that they legalized it, but I think what they're, they're, they're back checking and fact checking in the backstory now is we should have had other tools in place to deal with the kind of consequences we're now having from people who are having adverse reactions to it. I mean, you know, people jumping off of roofs and, and you know, Lori Stack, she's in my book. Um, and she talks about it's happened to her son, you know, right. took his Johnny's, own, took his own um, whatever Johnny's what's the amb- ambassadors, Johnny's ambassadors. Johnny's ambassadors. Absolutely. You know, yes. big deals and, you know, the mental health and we don't know, you know, what these, these chemicals are doing on developing brains. We know it's not good, but not good versus look, Hey, your kid might be, you know, damaged permanently for life or become so psychotic. He kills himself. Or in my family's case, you know, the, um, he stabbed his mother and his father under a psychotic fit. Like these are not the outcomes we thought when things were being legalized or, um, you know, and I think what you're talking about, the potency is, is such a big deal because I don't think, I I know I didn't until I I interviewed Lori, you know, on one of my shows and she was talking about this potency thing. And I'm like, I I never even heard of it. And when people said, oh, they're vaping weed, I'm thinking, who cares? That's nothing. Because in my mindset, I'm thinking, you know, the biggest thing of my generation was Maui Wowie. And that was 25 years ago. So what could have possibly changed? Well, a lot, apparently. Well, you know, I can remember a buddy of mine, he got an aquarium pump. We were smoking, you know, because bongs wouldn't get enough in our lungs quick enough. So we, and please don't take this as an idea out there, <laughs> but but we got an aquarium pump to be able to put the air under pressure to get the purple sense of man, which was growing here in California and get it in our lungs quicker so we could get higher faster. So I understand the modality, but no matter how much I got in my body, it was only 8%. The problem with the- right. You know, the people that are now manufacturing, because a lot of my my generation showed people how to cross pollinate, how to use hydroponic gardens, how to get the seeds to a maximum level. And when you think about it, you know, the reason cocaine has started to, you know, it's coming back now, but it's slowed down for a while because making cocaine, processing cocaine and getting it to the U.S. has now become very expensive. Right. 
marijuana, now that it's legal, can be grown in your backyard in perfect conditions, and it's legal to do it. So people are getting really good at it. And some of the engineering that's going around this, people in the industry, look, our governor, who nearly just got recalled, spent a hundred, he just earmarked four weeks ago, a hundred million dollars for the marijuana industry to be able to fast track getting their administration and their licensure in place quicker so they can get the the marijuana sold. So technically the taxes can come back to the state. Yeah, the lottery system was supposed to help with the school system too. But what I'm saying is if we had an announcement like that towards rehab or education or getting Narcan in the schools, it'd be a game changer. So we, we, we have an uphill battle. We, and I say there, there's a handful of us uh, and you're now part of the we, because you, you know, if you put this out there publicly, you've, you've, uh, you've cited yourself with what, what the messaging is sure. around how we educate, you know, and, but, but people that care about people generally want to help share with others. And as you said earlier, and, and I, you know, reverberated that if you talk to anyone today, they'll tell you, they know somebody who overdosed, died, or was killed by somebody who was under the influence, whether it be a DUI, impaired driving, texting under the influence. And that's the sad part because you really have to be careful today and not that we weren't before. And then one of the other sides of this, I want to mention before I forget is there are families out there will go, you know, my grandmother has been on Oxycontin and the doctors have taken it away from her. And we don't know what to give her now to replace that. And most pain doctors will tell you yoga. Well, you don't tell a 78 year old that's been on Oxycontin for 10 years to start practicing yoga, that pain will go away fine. So I understand that. And there are circumstances where people have really benefited from medical marijuana for things that are going on in the world. So I'm not somebody who's black and white. I'm just saying, I don't want to go to any more funerals. Let me put it that way. I am in a funeral avoidance mode. And that's the reason I wrote the book is I want to encourage families to get education and to know that there's hope and help. And you don't have to sit and watch a family member slowly kill themselves. Right. Right. Absolutely. I mean, the idea of of the potency and the link to teen suicide. I mean, you can't look away from the numbers. No, but we are, you know, we are up against big money. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, this product makes a lot of people a lot of money. And, you know, China is one of the big producers of fentanyl. Mexico, methamphetamine. I mean, can you imagine their conferences? They they sit together if they do and talk about market share globally. And I just heard recently Australia just got huge, two huge, you know, tanking shipments of methamphetamine. Well, and you know, where'd that come from? The rumors are it came from the US through Canada from Mexico. So I don't know if that's true or not, right. but those containers, that's we're talking tons of methamphetamine. You'll get a lot of people addicted very, very quickly. And then then the demand goes way up. Yep. And then they'll find different ways for shipping because you're right. They, they spend more time and more money to do more business than our government, our DEA or DOJ is ever going to be able to spend. Oh, right. They have all the toys. They got all the tools. They've got all the ways to hide it. I mean, you sure. know, it's, and they don't and care. I, they don't, and and they, don't play by, they don't play behind. They have no rules. That's the scary part. They have no yeah. rules. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's important that we do these shows, not to scare people, but to raise awareness and to, you know, give you an alternative. Because one of the things that's happened in my community where I live, it's Southern California. So all the parents are like, it's legal. 
you can vape. It's no big deal. Now I happen to be a fitness health person and a little bit of a, you know, kind of super nerd. So I've always declined, but when I say, no, thanks, you know, I'm not interested. They're like, why it's safe. It's healthy. It's all natural. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm having peer pressure at middle age. Like, you know, I thought I was supposed to hit peer pressure in like seventh, eighth, ninth grade. And I'm getting it, you know, as a parent. And I think, you know, it's one of those sneaky little things that is a huge moneymaker. And the more we can get involved in them, the healthier and more natural that we can advertise these products, the more money goes into certain pockets. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting, your demographic right now, female and 50s, you know, the soccer mom who's now, a, you know, their, their kids are off to school and they're empty nesters. They're one of the fastest growing consumers right now of alcohol and oh. their alcoholism in that arena has really grown significantly. And we're seeing it right now as well. But at the end of the day, they're, they're maybe, they're, you know, they've managed their life, they've managed their family. So they, they think they're controlling it. They're not mixing it with other drugs, but alcohol sales are up 75% from a year and a half ago because of COVID. So we're going to see, unfortunately, a lot of, I call it the zombie land because that's kind of where we're going in two or three years. You know, you're going to have, they'll have zombie lanes on the freeways in California for people that are impaired. If you're impaired, shift over this way, you know? Right. So, but I see it with the parents. I see the, you know, what used to be is get together for a glass of wine is now drinking at home in front of the TV, you know, drinking in the afternoon because now you don't have kids. I think it's a boredom factor. I think it's a non-direction factor for me as a single mom and I'm soul supporting and I care for my 87 year old dad. I, I cannot be impaired. I wouldn't be able to get through my day. But when you have that time, and I also think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Scott, there's almost an entitlement. Like I've raised my kids. I've done my thing. I'm 55. I'm going to retire in a few years. I deserve to relax. And that may be true, but what are you choosing to use to relax? And that's my thing is I see kids who get their vapes taken away from their parents only for their parents to use it. Well, and, you know, first of all, you, you're you certainly you work your whole life and you take care of your, you know, your, your parents like I did and they're gone now, you know, but it's for me, it's different because I'm in the world of recovery and I stay in it every day. I go to four meetings a week on Zoom now because it's so convenient. Why wouldn't I? But to your point, and you're absolutely right, a parent should be able to enjoy their life when they've done their, their basic, you know, zero to 18, but then, you know, they boomerang kids, kids are coming home, especially with jobs the way they are today. But it, at the end of the day, you're yes, you are entitled. You've worked hard. You should do it. But if you're finding yourself waking up in the morning and having a glass of wine with your boiled egg and you're finding yourself having two glasses of wine at lunch and then you're meeting your friends at four o'clock for happy hour, having three more glasses of wine, that's a little bit beyond normal. And that really needs to be arrested or addressed. Otherwise, what's going to happen is those nine glasses a day are going to go to 12. Those 12 will go to 15. And then when you're turning the bend on their late 50s, now all of a sudden, you've got a full blown addiction going on. Your significant other has left and your kids are coming home going, what's wrong with mom? Right. Right. And I'm seeing that with the pot too. I'm seeing that with the, 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 the vapes with the nicotine and the marijuana in them. I'm seeing these moms with their pens and it's like, oh, they're just relaxing. And I'm like, 
you know, I'm not a good, like, I'm not a good drug person. I'm the kind that would blow up, you know, like a Macy's day balloon, because you gave me, I forget what they gave me in the hospital when I had my baby and I puffed up like the stay puff marshmallow man. So I've stayed away from all this stuff because I react to a lot of things, but I can see the justification of these parents going, well, whatever I've done my job. Now it's my time to have fun. And I really do see an addiction forming. And then because I care for my 87 year old dad and I rock with the eighties because all of his 80 year old friends are the same thing. They all sit around not my dad, but they all sit around and they drink all afternoon. They drink from two, you know, one, two o'clock in the afternoon till the buffet starts at four 30. You yep. can't tell me that that's not an addiction, that that's not a problem. And you then know, and I, tell me, what else am I supposed to do? I'm old. Yeah, go, go play some bingo. But no, it's funny because I've, I've helped a couple seniors, you know, that family members I've known because I grew up in San Diego. I'm a native here. They call, they call me and, you know, my grandma won't stop drinking. What do we do? And then I said, well, have your mom call me and talk to the mom. We chat about it. And there aren't a lot of options. When someone's 87 years old, my attitude is if they want to drink, um, they probably should be left alone. And, you know, that's a tough one, but they're not the ones I'm worried about because they're not, they're not going to sit there and drink a fifth every day and live five, six, seven, eight. Right, and they're not going to get on the road and drive a car. Correct. Correct. And where, wherever they're living, whether they're living with family or they're living in assisted living, they're not going to let them let, you know, consume at that level. So, you know, they have, they have support in a different way, unless they're on their own living in rural areas, but it's the young people I'm worried about because they're our future. You know, can you imagine, you know, the kids in their seventeens and, and by the way, earlier we were talking about, you know, you mentioned people in their thirties, the average person right now that's overdosing from Oxycontin that's gotten through illegal means or through the street is in their twenties. Wow. is in their 20s we're seeing nationally right now that's scary and right you know i run a nonprofit called safe homes coalition so i'm i look at this from a whole different perspective and the mission of the nonprofit is to help remove unsafe and unused medication from the homes and in 2016 just five years ago 264 million prescriptions for oxycontin were written not pills prescriptions average 30 days do the math and according to the CDC and, you know, the anecdotal information, 61% of those pills that were prescribed still sit in medicine cabinets, 61%. So a lot of young people are getting access to Oxycontin at grandma's house or grandpa's house, you know, and one of the biggest um, pilferers of that medication were in-home Healthcare givers. That's where the the you know the red lights started going off and the sirens is you know people would you know they'd run out of medication a thirty day supply in a week and all of a sudden the family would intervene and we started this because people were actually going to open houses and stealing oxycontin from the medicine cabinet because an eighty milligram pill of oxycontin is worth eighty dollars on the street. Wow. So that it was the realtors that partnered with Safe Home Coalition to try to get the word out. So it's kind of interesting. That's and that's the kind of 
out of the well, box. But it is interesting. And it makes sense because I think of my grandma and my grandpa when they were in, you know, they were in assisted living or, part, you know, that that halfway house, you know, before you're fully in a nursing home. And then, right. and, you know, they get these caregivers coming in and I'd be like, you know, where did grandma's, you know, whatever medicine go? And, you know, and then we were thinking, oh, she must have lost it. She dropped it. You know, we're looking under the bed and then we're like, oh, I get it. The caregivers are taking it because it has huge street value. Oh, or they're addicted. And imagine you go or over both. with your yeah, or you go over with your kids and your your grandparents are still intact in their own home, you know, before they get to independent living. And the kids are drug seekers or or their friends are, and they go rifling through the medicine cabinet. I mean, you know, it's interesting when I'm thinking about all our conversation today. Uh, it, it is amazing that if someone is an out of the box thinker, how far they can really go with some really bad habits. And that's why parents really have to be aware, really have to listen to their children. And they really have to understand that, you know, sometimes bad decisions are not the fault of the kid if they don't have the information that they need to be informed and make a different kind of decision. Gotcha. So tell me what's in your book. We've got about three minutes. Tell me where we can find it and tell me why I should buy it. Well, the book's called The Opioid Epidemic. Uh, What's in it basically is how to talk with your children, how to listen to your children, signs to look for if things have changed. And the book can be purchased at amazon.com or you can go onto my website, but go to Amazon. It's easier. They get it to you quickly. And Call me or or email me if you want through my website and let's talk if I can help guide you. But the book was written to help parents. And in the book are stories from families who have lost loved ones to opioid overdoses, to heroin overdoses. So we really talked to families. My first book was a lot about my journey. This particular book is all about the journey and what to do with this crisis that we have going on and how to talk to your kids. And and we talk about marijuana, we talk about alcohol, we talk about vaping, and we talk about the morbidity rate. I mean, when I heard the term pediatric morbidity a few years ago, I thought, what does that even mean? Young children dying from opioids. And, you know, we had a a six-month-old overdose here in San Diego, got a hold of one of their parents somehow. Um, it was left somewhere and the baby got it. The baby survived, but think about that for a second. So the book is a great tool. It's a great vessel and we want to see everybody who can and you can download it on Kindle so you can read it that way as well. Terrific, terrific. You want to give us that website one more time? It, Google me, Scott H. Silverman, or go right to my website, yourcrisiscoach.com. Spelled just like it sounds, one word all lowercase, yourcrisiscoach.com. And don't be afraid to reach out to me. Now, where are you, wherever you are in the world, you know, with, with the internet today and the virtual world, we'll find a way to help you navigate next steps. Terrific, terrific. Well, Scott Silverman, thank you so much for being my guest today. I applaud you for not only your sobriety, but also for turning it into something so amazing that can help a lot of people. We'll be back again next week with another great episode. Thanks for being with us today on Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck. Join us again. We've got something you won't want to miss. Motherhood Talk Radio is a production of Beck Multimedia.